Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. We're the hosts of the Places Where We Go podcast. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello and welcome back and thanks for joining us on the Places Where We Go podcast. And we have something new happening in the recording today. We've got new microphones trying to solve for (laughs) some issues we've been dealing with with the other pair. So hopefully these will work out okay. It's a bit of an experiment. As you're joining us for this episode today, now is a perfect time to start planning your trip to Glacier National Park for next summer, specifically next July and next August. Because as we've mentioned on past episodes, The planning process starts about a year in advance, and if you don't have plans for 2022, and if you haven't been to Glacier National Park, listen to what we have to offer for you, and you may want to, at the end of the episode, get online and make some reservations. Yeah, and if you're lucky, you have an extra special person, I'm talking about you, that has a, a mind for this, and I don't have to worry about it ever. Yeah, you just go on the trip right, <laughs> yes, and enjoy. Yes. <laughs> but we have been talking for the last couple of podcasts about our travels in Montana. Last time we were together, we were in Glacier National Park on the west side. But there's even more to see on the east side. Oh, so, much, much more. Yeah, so today we're going to take you over to the east side of the park But before we can talk about what we did there, we actually had to get ourselves from the west side to the east side. So, Julie, take it away. So, we had originally thought we would take the Sun Road, not realizing that it wouldn't be completely open for us. But there is another route you can take, and it's called U.S. Route 2. That is the alternative route to get from one side of the park to the other, depending on which side you're on. It goes around the southern border of the park, and it takes about two hours to drive. And there's lots of stops along the way. And we made a few when we were going. Yeah, so if you make the stops, it's going to take you longer than two hours. But the stops give you an opportunity to get out, stretch your legs, and see some cool things. And I always thought that, you know, one of the things that we love doing the most is not really trying to rush through things, but, you know, to really take our time and look at everything that's around us. Uh, One of our first stops that we were at was called Goat Lick Overlook. That sounds kind of interesting. Yeah. When we pulled in, we had no idea what it was or if there was even anything there. You remember that? Yes, because I was driving and I think I saw something. There's something that just caught my eye. Yeah, there was a place to turn. There was a turnoff and I said, just go there, just go there. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up going down there and there was actually a parking lot. And there was quite a few people down there. Yep. And there was an area where you could walk down a pathway that went down to an overlook. And this place was Goat Lick Overlook. And there was actually a goat that was seen by somebody. And we got a chance to see it from a distance, too. So 
Apparently there are rocks there that are full of salt and the goats come and get some of their nutrients from this salt. It was a pretty overlook. It had a really huge gorge and it had some water features in it, mm-hmm. uh, a stream that went through it. So it was just like a really nice stop. Yeah, it uh, doesn't take a lot of time. I think we were there maybe, what, 10 minutes, 15 tops, yeah, if that, yeah. right? And somebody had binoculars, and that's how they spotted the goat. Yeah. So if you have binoculars, it is a nice thing to bring for most of Montana, really. Yeah, and very useful at this particular spot. Yeah. One thing that I still remember about this turnoff was when we were driving to it, and I remember looking the other way when we left, I didn't see any sign on the road. No, that, we were looking for signs. Yeah. Didn't see so if you're going to be taking this U.S. Route 2, you may want to make a point of putting this on your places to stop at. And if you want to stop at Goat Lick Overlook, this might be useful to dial into your GPS or your, your map navigation Yeah, it tool also has a restroom, you know, mm-hmm. a park restroom. So mm-hmm. that's a nice stop if you need the rest stop. So we got back in the car. After a little bit of looking at the uh, gorge there, and about midway along this route, you're going to cross this place called uh, Marias Pass. This is where the highway exits the Rocky Mountains and makes its way through the northern plains. If you like highway turnoff attractions, you, you're going to want to stop here because it's, it has a massive view. It's just its gorgeous view. It seemed like it was a little high up. So you had this great, long-spanning view of the mountainous region. There. Yeah, it's right on the Continental Divide. Yeah, and it had geological markings, too, in the centuries and centuries, not millions of years past of rock movement. And it's just really, really interesting place. It had mm-hmm. mosquitoes, though, I remember that. And at this place... We had this, I think this is what caught my eye first was this big obelisk. And it 60 foot high and it's called the Roosevelt Obelisk. And it is a statue that's patterned after the Washington Monument in a much smaller scale. So we stopped there. We took a bunch of photos there and we ran into a, a family there. That was really fun. Mm-hmm. And they had been traveling together for different vacations that they have taken and they do it as a family and one of the sisters had passed away so in remembrance of her they would bring this little skeleton i think they had a name for the skeleton they did i don't don't remember remember the name but apparently the skeleton goes everywhere with this family and then they take pictures with the skeleton and it's kind of a memorial to the sister so I thought that was kind of fun. This is one of those things where you find fun people along the way and yeah. end up talking to them. Caught our eye and we just had to ask, had to tell ask. us about the skeleton. Yeah, yeah, what is going on with that? Yeah. So it was it was fun. Yeah. And before we actually entered East Glacier, the highway boundary of the Blackfeet Indian Reservation, there's a turnoff that provides some history about that Indian tribe there too. Mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of history that's on this highway, alongside of the highway, that if you are interested, is a fun thing to stop and just get a brief overview of that part of, you know, Montana. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember this, when we were making our way on Route 2, there was a point in the road where you end up making this turn north to go toward East Glacier. 
and I don't remember the town that we were in, but there was this bridge that you had to go under. And I distinctly remember there was, you could tell at the top of the bridge that a motorhome had smashed into it. And kind of the rest of that route was not necessarily RV friendly. So I would recommend if you are traveling in an RV and planning to take this U.S. Route 2 to make your way into East Glacier, this is going to be one of those places where you do want to consult an RV type of map before you go because depending on the size of your rig, lengthwise as well as height-wise, you may have to find yourself some longer paths, but paths that will be safe for your some rig. alternate routes. And, yeah. and I know there's alternate routes because we did see some... Uh camping spots with RVs yeah. in it. So just be, you know, extra cautious about your travel navigation if you've got a an RV type rig. But anyway, so that route got us into East Glacier and a few hours after we left the west side, we're pulling into this spectacular looking location. We had arrived at the Many Glacier Hotel, mm-hmm. which we booked almost a year yeah. before over we, a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we pull up to this location of this mini glacier hotel and it was immediately, it was just this wow, stunning, gorgeous location. You've got this historic looking chalet type lodge and it sits at the base of this lake, not, not an enormous lake, but a, a very beautiful lake. There's a mountain in the back of it. And when the yeah, condition... The mountain. That biggest mountain there is the Grinnell Mountain. It's got this backdrop like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. And the Swift Current Lake is right in the backyard of this motel. It's just gorgeous. So we were there late June. There was still plenty of snow in the mountain. Mm -hmm. And while neither of us have ever been to Switzerland yet, there was a few times during our trip where we would overhear people comparing some of these views to some of the views like in the Swiss Alps and around some of the lakes there. So just absolutely beautiful. So we ended up staying five nights at Mini Glacier Hotel. Again, the settings, phenomenal. The hotel has a hundred year history. You've got great views of the lake from the main lobby area, the main, um, it's kind of like a great room, a great sitting area. There's yeah, this enormous it's, it's fireplace a, inside. It's a very old style type of hotel where the rooms are off to the sides, but in the middle of it is where everybody gathers for their entertainment, for relaxation, for whatever it is that floats their boat. So it's absolutely gorgeous, wood everywhere, yeah. and a lot of it's original wood. And I remember being surprised... When we walked into our room, because I didn't remember doing this, there's rooms that face the lake and then there's rooms that do not face the lake. And we walked into our room and it turned out we had a lakeside room that if I booked that, I surely don't remember. But I'm kind of glad we had that because it was was beautiful. It's kind of like when you take a cruise, if you're able to get a balcony view or balcony room, It's just that little extra something that just makes waking up really nice. You open up the windows, you got the spectacular view, and we had that here. I went straight to the window when I walked in. It was just so gorgeous. And I do remember being a little nervous about the hotel, knowing how old it was, and reading some of the reviews about it before we got there. There was a number of the reviews that 
basically gave the impression of, hey, this is a place that's got some age to it. So I was concerned about if the bed was going to be lumpy and if we're going to feel springs in our back. But we had pretty good night's sleeps on the bed. It was very comfortable. It didn't feel like one of these 30-year-old mattresses that it's been in a dumpy motel for, for no, about no, that long. No, no, it was comfortable. Yeah. We, we were fine. So nice historic setting. I think we ended up paying somewhere in the neighborhood of 240 a night, mm-hmm. 230 a night. So just for reference point about prices. And again, the main thing with this location, and you've got limited, I think, places to stay in the park on the east side. This mm-hmm. is one of them. Swift Current Inn, which is very close, is nearby. That's another option. But if you want to stay in the park on the east side, make those reservations as much as one year prior to when you're going to get there because rooms sell out quickly. I was reading just last night, there was some article I came across about the most popular places that people have been going this year in the United States, and Glacier National Park was in the top five of this list that I came across. So when you've got those popular places, you got to be on the ball for your reservations. Additionally, there's other reservations that you might want to consider. So it is on a lake, so they have boats and kayaks and Mm -hmm. canoes. So we did not do that, but my understanding is you need to reserve ahead of time. Am I correct? It was recommended. Yeah. So when we got there, because we had expressed interest in getting on one of the boats, and that's when the person at the desk told us, hey, these things are already reserved either days or weeks or months in advance. But there was a recommendation that, you know, show up first thing in the morning, because if there's going to be cancellations, that might be the best time to find out about them. So yeah, so even with those things, the early bird gets the worm. The other thing that you're going to want to know about staying at this location And this holds true for a lot of the parks. Cell phone reception, you can pretty much forget about it. Wi-Fi was available at the hotel, but I found the connection to be kind of spotty. So like the second that you stopped using your device, the Wi-Fi would get disconnected. So we were in this ever ongoing connect, reconnect, reconnect, reconnect. It is there, the Wi-Fi, but it's not the same kind of connection that you're going to have when you're in a city. You're out in the woods in the middle of nothing, and right. that's part of the experience. Right. So, right. Yeah. And while we're at the Mini Glacier Hotel, Julie, let's talk about what it's like to eat food when you stay at this that place. That was very interesting. Mm-hmm. They have a restaurant at the hotel itself, and that's pretty much all you have except for there is the Swift Current Inn up the road and they have a a small restaurant also. But the restaurant at the Manny Glacier Hotel had some things to be desired, I thought. The quality of the food wasn't exceptionally good. Yeah, this wasn't fine dining. No, and I think part of the issue was the fact that there was some supply chain problems and there was also a lack of staff to run the restaurant. You had the COVID era still affecting this part of the park. I think that was part of it. Yeah, and even when we were there, the dining room itself wasn't open. No. So you would go to order your food, and then you'd have to wait in this common area for your name to be called, and then they would bring it out in a bag, and then yeah. you'd find a place to eat it. 
Yeah, so they were trying to abide some of the COVID rules, and I understood that. It's called the Ptarmigan Dining Room, and as you said, it really wasn't open. It was a takeout type of... I couldn't understand why they just put everything in bags. It's like, why don't you just give us the packaging? But everything was going in bags, and it just seemed like a, a lot of waste of paper. But it was pretty basic food. There was nothing really over the top about any of it. And I guess just to kind of, you know, set the stage. So we're going to be in the category of harder to accommodate probably than the average person because we don't eat meat. We're pescatarian. So, you know, primarily a vegetarian diet with fish. So given our dietary choices and restrictions, kind of felt like we exhausted the menu kind of fairly quickly. I mean... Yeah, it, it became very tiring. And every time we went back there, we thought about eating there. I mean, I don't know about you, but I was like, just it's not doing much for me. Yeah, and the thing is, if this is where you're staying, you don't have a lot of options where you can just drive somewhere five minutes away or 10 minutes away and have a choice of restaurants. Yeah. I mean, once you're here, other than what you mentioned Nell's at the Swift Current. That's kind of it. Now, do you remember when we first arrived, we had a conversation with one of the concierge ladies and was talking to us about food? Yes, because we asked her specifically, you know, what are the food options? Well, we told her that yeah. we're going to be there for like five nights. Yeah, and she she gave us kind of like a, a uh-oh she's <laughs> type like, of thing. Yeah, like, she's like, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. you're really going to want to eat some other places. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was that was a little disconcerting. but And she didn't even mention the Swift Current Inn. Yeah. But I had done a little bit of research myself, and I knew that it was a food option up there, but I just didn't know what was available for us. Yeah. And the thing that was interesting about that place, because we ate there one night, the menus were very similar between the two places, but there was a few minor differences. But when we went to Nell's at Swift Current, we were able to sit inside in their Mm -hmm. dining Mm -hmm. room. And just something about the food just seemed like a slight step up from what we were getting at Maine Glacier Hotel. So that was a nice alternative. Now, I did see people bringing in ice chests as they were checking in. So I think there may have been some people that have been through this experience before, and they had brought ice chests up to their room, and they must have been eating meals out of out of their ice chests. So you can stop at like a St. Mary's, they have a little market there. Mm -hmm and get some food and have that as an option for uh, breakfast or lunch. Yeah. But even getting to St. Mary's, what would you say is like maybe a half hour drive-ish or so? And even that depends. So when we were there, there, as is common in a lot of national parks, there was road construction. And Mm -hmm. when we were arriving, you know, we got in this um, one lane of the road would be allowed to move forward while the other direction had to sit and depending on when you try to get from any glacier to St. Mary's, you could be sitting in your car because of construction for an even longer period of time. Yeah. So it's possible, but it's not ideal. Yeah. Yeah. And both of these things are temporary. The first thing being the dining room was closed. It could be very well that the dining room will open soon, depending on uh, what's happening on Montana and the COVID rules that they have. And also the construction. Now, I think the construction will go on for a while because they can only do it in the warmer parts of the year, and uh, which would be summer. Mm-hmm. So that might go on for uh, a few years. There seemed like they had a lot of road to pave, but eventually that will end too. It'll never end. 
<laughs> it's, I don't think it's like California. Yeah. California has never ending highway yeah. construction. And in addition to the restaurant, there was downstairs a snack shop, mm-hmm. Heidi's. And we went there a few times. We did. A lot of snacks. The first time we went there, um, I was hoping to get a cup of coffee. Yes. Yes. And both. Like r- real coffee. Like They had drip well, coffee. They had the yes, drip coffee. But I wanted it. the coffee that came out of the espresso machine. I Which won- were both down. There was two machines. The sign said out of order, which they may have been, but I suspect that because when we were there, it was during this time where every single business we came across had help wanted signs. Yeah. And my guess was they didn't have somebody who knew how to operate the machine. They, they were struggling a lot with yeah. workers. And yeah. I think that had something to do with housekeeping. They were struggling to keep up with that because I don't think they had enough people to do it. I think they focused on the rooms mm-hmm. and they kind of let the big great area kind of go for a little bit and not worry about it too much. Yeah, because I, I remember because we were there five nights. I remember yeah. seeing certain areas that remember like one day thinking hmm this this area sure could use a vacuum cleaner and you'd come by the next day and it looked exactly the same yeah and the next because day, yeah. they didn't have the staff yeah. to do it so I, I felt bad for them hey so heidi snack shop so mm-hmm. one of the things that that came in handy for for us is they had a selection of wine and beer yeah that was which very handy we took advantage of mm-hmm. but there was even some issues with that so do you remember? Yes. Yeah. So I just wanted a beer. A particular beer. I wanted a cold beer. Just just one cold beer. Sit in the great room, relax, enjoy the view of the lake. And I go in there and I find a beer that I like. And they said, oh, you can't have one. You have to take the whole six pack. Yeah. So any beers that were part of a six pack, yes. it was six or nothing. And we're not we're not six pack drinkers. We're, no. we're like, we want one drink. We want it to be good. And we're fine with the one. <laughs> So yes. just know that if you go to Heidi Snack Shop and if you just want a single libation, you're going to be limited to the ones that are available as singles. Yes. And and they do have some cider yeah. and they have wine. So there's those options too. And the cider, were they were large bottles of cider. Very good. Yeah. Very good. But they were very large bottles of cider. Yeah. So while we've... Uh... Had a few comments about the food. I would still say, you know, Mini Glacier Hotel, very nice experience. I could see staying there again because oh, it was absolutely. just that beautiful. Mm-hmm. So let's move on from inside the hotel and get into the main thing that you've got to do that's available to you when you're on this part of the park is hiking. I mean, this is a hiking park. That's kind of how you experience Glacier. And the first night we were there, we ended up because we did that drive on route two and by the time we Mm -hmm, got mm -hmm. to uh the hotel it was later in the afternoon so there wasn't time for like a full hike but we took advantage of the nature trail that went around swift current lake so if you you pretty much dragged me into that but did you i went though you did i did that's why i have you because you motivate me and was it good that you walked around the lake it was (laughs) okay even though there's lots of bugs around the lake yeah but you've got a nice 2.7 mile round trip stroll around the lake just as you exit the backside of Many Glacier Hotel. You walk down to the edge of the lake, and there's this beautiful trail that just encircles the lake. So that's a nice starter walk when you first get there, especially if you get there like later in the day. Mm-hmm. So that was the first walk that we did, had a really nice time there. And the other thing that was helpful is when we took that walk, because we did plan to go to Grinnell Glacier, we were able Mm -hmm. to identify where 
the forks in the road were going to be from that area to do Grinnell, mm-hmm. which is what we did the next day. So, yeah. So we started from the Swift Current Lake Nature Trail. That's the beginning of the Grinnell hike also. Uh, we started really early, just before 7.30. And we opted to take that trail and walk it instead of the boat because, first of all, the boat was reserved and we weren't sure we can get on it. And also didn't run that early. It didn't run that early. Yeah. And we actually prefer walking. So now if you do take the boat, and that is an option, that'll shave about 3.4 miles off of your hike. Yes, because you get to a a portion of the Swift Current Lake, you cross over this very short land hike, and then you're at Josephine Lake. And then you got to go beyond Josephine Lake to get to Grinnell. Now, what is Grinnell? Grinnell is a very, very popular hike in the east side of Glacier National Park. It's well known. We knew about it. We really wanted to take it. We weren't sure if we were going to be able to get to the glacier itself because it was early in June and there was still a lot of snowpack up there. We heard that we could not because it was too dangerous to cross over the snowpack. But we thought, okay, let's get as far as we can. Mm -hmm. And it was probably, if I were to rate it, like favorite hikes... That hike, besides some stuff in Sequoia, is one of my favorite hikes I've ever taken. Yeah, I think easily for the time we spent in Montana, that was the number one hike that we experienced. It had stunning views. You're walking around the whole time, either a lake or you're climbing up elevations and you're overlooking this gorgeous, beautiful mountain range with lakes below you. It it was stunning. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely stunning. And along the way, there's waterfalls, these little trickles of waterfalls along the way. And it was just, it was beautiful. Yeah. What was also nice, starting as early as we did, there was not a lot of foot traffic at the time that we started Mm -hmm. versus when we were taking our return path back to the hotel. That's when the crowds started to get more dense. Yeah, because the boats don't start until 8.30. So you don't start getting a real crowd going up the Grinnell section of the hike until after probably 9, a little after 9, when they drop them off at the Josephine Lake drop. And then they start coming up. Yeah. Recalling the hike and difficulty level, how would you explain that to people? I found it moderate. Once you get past the lakes, if you decide to walk that, that part is very easy. Up until you get past what, Josephine Lake, it's all flat. Yeah, very yeah. easy. Yeah. And really pretty too. Mm-hmm. And then once you get to once Josephine Lake. Once you get Lake, to Josephine Lake and you get to that trailhead up towards Grinnell Glacier, it climbs. You start climbing right away. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the hardest part for people is because that initial climb is, it's somewhat difficult, but then it starts to flatten out. Yeah, it seems you'd, so, go, you'd go up a bit, then flat a bit, then yeah, up so a bit. Yeah, so you a little bit of rest, yeah. and then you'd go up, and then you'd rest a little bit and go yeah. up. We would stop every, it seemed like every you know few minutes or so to snap photos and just, I mean, you have to stop just to admire the beauty that's oh around gosh, you because it was something else. It's just gorgeous. And you mentioned that we couldn't get as far as the glacier because of the conditions. So, you know, we we went as far as we could and we ended up, they had... They had it marked off that don't go... It's not advised to go beyond yeah, this point. Was, and there was a, a plastic like, chain type thing with the sign on it. Right. And, Do not go beyond. Yeah. So yeah. most people stopped there. Yeah, most. Yeah. Most did. Yeah. Yes. And 
I believe just beyond that. You would not want to venture further because you already alluded to there was a snowpack there, and under the snowpack was rushing water. Well, yeah. So from my understanding, there's this a part where there was snow and there was nothing. It was just snow. So you could walk across that, and it's really nice to do that with poles because you dig into the poles and some nice shoes that you can grip into the snow and you walk across that. But as you're walking across that, you're going to come to another section that's, I hear, after the sign that says not advised to go beyond this point, and there is a stream that comes down and it's snowpacked. So you have to be aware of what you're walking on all the time. And it was very clear that there was running water underneath the snowpack. Some people missed it. Yeah, I remember but, hearing about yeah. an individual that like wasn't didn't have that kind of awareness. So yeah. it would be a big mistake to walk across something like so that. You kind and, of stop there. Yes, and find because, yourself slipping yeah. through the snow into the water because that would be the end of your life. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. So yes. yeah, which is why they put the uh, do not go beyond. <laughs> Yeah, not advisable, not advisable to go. And we ended up, once we reached the peak of as far as we could go, we spent a little bit of time just sitting there and further admiring the views. Mm -hmm. And shortly after we started to turn around, we did bump into one of the park rangers who told us that where that tape was placed was only about a mile or so from... Glacier itself. Yeah, if, yeah. if the whole trail was open, it'd only be about a mile further. Yeah. So so we were able to actually get pretty far into it, not as far as probably you can get at the end of July or in August. But right. when we set out for this trip, we were nervous about were we even going to be able to do any of the popular hikes like this one just because we were watching the trail conditions on the National Park Service website daily. And we're learning that there was a number of hikes that we thought we might take that just they weren't going to be open during the part of June that we were traveling. So, but beautiful, beautiful hike. Lots of beautiful pictures. It is a 7.6 mile round trip hike with an elevation gain of 1,840 feet. So it is rated strenuous. And I'm going to go with that rating. Mm-hmm because of the length of the hike and also the uphill. Yeah. And that last mile that the ranger spoke about is pretty much straight up. So that would be a very hard mile yeah. to get up. Again, and we hope you sense it from our description, if you're at Glacier National Park and if you're around Many Glacier Hotel, this is a hike that I would put at the top of your list because mm-hmm. it's it's beautiful. And very recommended to bring bear spray. There is a lot of bears in that area. Yeah, you know, so we didn't encounter a bear during our hike there, but the week after we were there, a coworker of mine went to the same location and he said when they were doing this hike, they had a bear encounter. So mm-hmm. they're so there. They are there for sure. So let's move from the strenuous hike at Grinnell Glacier to the not so strenuous, mm-hmm. but perhaps dangerous. Hikes at Red Rock Falls to Fisher Cap Lake to Bullhead Lake. So there's a series of trails that you could take just beyond the Swift Current Inn that we did on one of our last days of hiking on the east side of the park. And the nice thing about this 
area is most of the hiking is it's fairly flat but i believe that the entire path if you go all the way to bullhead lake is rated kind of like as a, at an intermediate level mm-hmm. and i think that's you know you and i have figured out okay that's got to be because of the length because there really right. wasn't elevation gain right so we did this hike one day again it's a hike that i think you know most people in a family would be able to do you can make a decision how far you want to go fairly soon into the hike you come across these red rock falls which is a nice view if you go a little bit further you're going to come across this place called fisher cap lake which was cool because on the way back this is where you and i we saw a moose yes in the water and we just stopped there for a while and watched the moose doing its thing in the water and running up onto the uh this little islandy area and was eating there's a lot of grass underneath that shallow area of water and it would just put its head down pull up a bunch of grass and start eating it it was really and it glistened in the the sun because it was all wet just a beautiful view yeah Yeah. and if i've ever seen a moose in my life before this may have only been like the second time so i've not had a lot of personal moose sightings so that was just fun to see Mm -hmm. now we did end up going all the way to bullhead lake and that's where we had stopped for lunch and that's where the mosquitoes came out but somewhere along this path this walk and it was by the falls i remember I was trying to get around a tree and get to, you know, one side of this path and, you know, not a dangerous area, but my foot slipped on, I don't know if it was a tree branch or a rock, but I went down and something about that motion of going down tweaked out my back. And that was kind of, this would be our last hike in Glacier. We we do have some more hikes to talk about because we're kind of doing them out of order. But I guess it's a note that even when you're least expecting it, something could happen. Mm -hmm. So like the next day, I did nothing but sit in a chair in the lobby of the Many Glacier Hotel and read my book and and relaxed. It was nice to have one day of relaxing. Yes, it was. It was was, uh, not the best way to have a day of relaxing because, I mean, I had really difficult time moving any of you have had back issues you know kind of how it is if uh, the back gets tweaked out in just the wrong way and it's kind of game over but we ended up on uh, to kind of wrap up the red rock falls to bullhead lake hike we ended up spending five hours that day which included the stop for lunch including watching the moose and probably a little slower walking on the way back because one of us had a little injury so So careful when you're hiking out there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And in between those two hiking descriptions, the day in between, we ended up driving on the east side of going to the Sun Road. Mm -hmm. So we went as far as we could go just to get a feel for that part of the Sun Road. It had a lot of lakes and overlooks, tons of granite. And we did end up taking a hike off of that side of the Sun Road called the St. Mary's Falls. I really, really enjoyed that hike. Yeah. If we would rate Grinnell as our favorite hike of this trip, I think I would put this one at number two. Because mm-hmm. it was fun. It was different. And it was one of those where... You know, like every 10, 15 minutes, there was like something pretty cool to see. Yeah. And and it was one of these where it kind of climaxed when you got to the very, very end. Oh, absolutely. So so St. Mary's is the first falls that you run into on this hike. 
very easy hike. It was no elevation gain up to that point. There is a problem with parking. So there's no real parking lot. You park on the side of the Sun Road and it's kind of a first come first serve type of thing. We ended up having to park way down from the trailhead, not mm-hmm. real way down. Yeah, but but at least at least a quarter mile yeah, probably, right? Yeah, yeah, and we found an opening on the side of the road parked there. Thank goodness we had a, a smaller car. We fit right in there. Yep. And then we walked up to the trailhead. And I could see a lot of people were looking for parking spaces too. One of the things that, that you got to think about when you're going to want to take this hike. Yeah. Again, another place that if this is on your list, probably the earlier you get there, the better chance you're going to find of getting a place to park your car. Yeah. Earlier, the better. Yeah. We decided to keep going past St. Mary's Falls and we went to the Virginia Falls. And I highly, highly recommend that. It's a moderate hike. Again, there's not a whole lot of elevation gain, so it wasn't real hard at all. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people can handle this hike without a problem. We did see that. We saw people of all kinds of ages hiking this, and everybody seemed to be enjoying themselves. I remember when we were doing this, we would run across a few people that were asking like, is it worth it to go all the way to Virginia Falls? Or am I good enough just yeah. seeing St. Mary's? And uh, to a person, I think we told them, you, because we, I, I think we even asked somebody yeah. uh, about Virginia Falls, and it was definitely, yeah. you got to go all the way to Virginia it, Falls. You have to go, and uh, you could actually see the falls from the Sun Road. And I'm like, well, which falls is that? I wasn't sure which one it mm. was. And it's, it's like, that's the one I want to go to. Mm-hmm. And that had, that was the Virginia Falls. And it was spectacular. Yeah. So that was kind of like a very high, long waterfall drop. Yeah. Gorgeous pictures. You can get really close to the falls and yeah. you get sprayed with water yeah. with all the mist from the falls. Yeah. So that would be a place if you have a very light rain type jacket, this would be a place where that might come in handy. You will get, because- you will get wet. But it's worth it. If you go close. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look from a distance, you know, that's different. We had fun there because there there was uh, some people and they helped us take pictures and we took pictures of them and it was a fun time. We really, I really enjoyed that. So the day that we did St. Mary Falls and Virginia Falls, our aim was to get in as much of the east part of going to the Sun Road as we could. And again, during the time that we were in Glacier National Park, the whole going to the Sun Road was not open. Mm-hmm. So on the west side, it stopped at the Avalanche Lake area. And then on the east side, we were able to get as far as Jackson Glacier Overlook. Mm-hmm. So we also stopped there. That gave us a chance to get a glimpse of one of the other glaciers that's in the park. And I believe this one was the, or it is the seventh largest glacier that remains in the park. Mm-hmm. And there were some interesting placards that we read that talked about kind of the history of the glaciers there and how many there are that are left today versus maybe 50 to 100 years ago. So you do get a, a sense of what's going on and how the place is changing. And because the amount of glaciers continue to be declining, I would say, you know, if you've got a number of national parks that you'd like to get to someday, you want to get to Glacier sooner than maybe some of the other ones, just because this particular area, this geography is going through 
the kind of changes that it's experiencing mm -hmm. and there is a reduction in the amount of glaciers. After Jackson Glacier Overlook, that was time to turn the car around and hit the few remaining stops that we didn't stop at yeah. on as we the drive-in. As we yeah. were coming up, we noticed a few things that we thought, oh, we should stop on the way back. And one of those things was the Sunrift Gorge. It only took about 10 minutes to explore this area and there was a path that went to a staircase and then the staircase took you up the stream that was coming through there. And when you get to the top of the staircase, you see this magnificent view of this, this gorge. You could see that the you know millions and millions of years that formed this gorge. And uh, it was just a very beautiful stop, a quick stop and fun, good pictures. I would recommend stopping there. We mm -hmm. did the path did take us under the road and then yep. back up to the staircase, so you don't even have to cross the road. I, I like that little stop. Then we went a little bit further down and we saw the Wild Goose Island Overlook. It was very small, super small. I mean, really small, like dinky small. That was one of our last pullover stops on our way out of the eastern side of going to the Sun Road. You can pull over in a little car park area if you want to see the uh, wild goose overlook and that's you know there's a few people out there and it was just a nice pleasant little stop yeah place to stretch your legs and get mm -hmm. some photos in essence you know when you spend your time on going to the sun road just know that there's lots of opportunities to pull over see something take advantage of those mm -hmm. when you go out there it's a great way to spend a day yeah driving driving that that yeah. road and after you spend all that time adventuring and walking, hiking and exploring, you may either want something to drink or mm -hmm. something to eat. So we're going to talk about a few more things that are food related. Now, the thing I think that I missed the most during our time in Montana, especially during our time in Glacier, was the lack of the kind of coffee that we usually drink. So yeah. I do like my coffee at home, we partake in some good coffee. We have an espresso machine. And I'd be darned if I could get an espresso anything during our time in around Glacier National Park. We ended up finding there was this lady who had like a food truck, but it was a coffee truck one day on the side of the road just north of St. Mary's. She's and brand new. She had just started it. Yeah. And I had read about, I found out. So this lady, her name was Jennifer Reed, and she's a member of the Blackfeet Nation, ended up getting an Indian equity grant and opened up her mobile coffee. And she's she saved my lack of being able to get quality coffee. So I really, really, really enjoyed the opportunity to get coffee. And we, so we ended up, when we stopped at her place, she made us huckleberry lattes, mm -hmm. which I've never had a huckleberry latte. Mm -hmm. So I was glad to finally get an espresso drink and it had the huckleberry in it. So you may have to look a little harder and a little farther if you're looking for that type of coffee when you're around Glacier National Park. And maybe when you go there, you'll find the little coffee truck on yeah. the side of the road before you get inside Glacier National yeah. Park. And she if said do, she was going to yeah. put more signs up. Yeah. She didn't have a lot of signs up. She's very nice. She's very nice. Wonderful. Lady. We also had the opportunity to stop at, I think, a very well-known cafe in the area called Two Sisters Cafe. It is also part of the Blackfeet Reservation, and we just wanted something different to eat. Something other than the Mini Glacier Hotel. Exactly. So we decided to head off to to Two Sisters Cafe, because we had noticed it before when we had come back from St. Mary's. Yeah, we noticed the parking lot was full. It was absolutely full. And usually that's a, that's a good sign. 
Yes. So we had a very late lunch or a very early dinner, depending on how you want to look at it. So we got seated down on to our seat by a very eclectic and crazy kind of groovy 60s funny atmosphere. Lots of stuff on the walls, pictures, items, just tacked up all over the place off the rafters. It was a very fun theme. There was all different kinds of things. There was surfing stuff. There was funny blow up balloon type things of animals. And it, it was fun. It, was, it yeah. was really fun. It was the kind of place that I would have expected it to have been featured on diners, drive-ins and dives. And I remember looking around to see if there was any kind of indication that Guy Fieri had been there <laughs> one day. Maybe he has, I don't know, but I didn't see any indication that he had been and if he hasn't guy if you're listening you should get out to two sisters cafe (laughs) on the east side of glacier yeah it was interesting because it was staffed by students so they were on their their break for the summer and they had a lot of uh, students there and they were our waiter was so nice he was so friendly and students look like they have a ball there they actually live on premises while the uh, restaurant is open but it is only open during the warmer months. Mm-hmm. So it's only open during the tour season and the summer months. I'm not sure how they make it with being open for such yeah, a short don't know. time. But yeah. but the food was also much better. It was very than, good. Was than we very had, good. Yeah, than we were experiencing they had, you before. You could see they had chefs that had been there. They come back every year and... Uh, they were cooking in an open space so you could see what they were cooking and how they were cooking. And that was kind of fun to listen to them too because their chatter back and forth was, was fun. Mm-hmm. But we had that tomato basil soup, which I thought was really good. And It didn't come out of a Campbell's soup no, can no, either. No, no, all was, homemade. Yep. You could absolutely tell it was all homemade. And you had the falafel platter, which you seemed to enjoy, and had all kinds of Greek-styled food on it. Any comments on that? Did you think it was... Yeah, so my my only disappointment with my falafel platter, and I think you had the same disappointment with what you had, is by the time we were done eating our main meal, our bellies were so full that we couldn't sample some of the desserts that looked pretty enticing at this place. So I did enjoy the meal there. The atmosphere was... I think we talked amongst ourselves that beyond dining, this was one of those places that it's an experience to go there. It's an experience, yeah. We enjoyed a beer there, and they had a nice variety of beer. Yeah. And so it, it was really, I would recommend mm-hmm. uh, stopping there. And with that, that's a bit of a flavor of the east side of Glacier National Park. So we've talked about lodging. We've talked about hiking and food, things to do. Let's, uh, with the wrap-up here, we throw out a couple of more fun facts about the area of Montana and Glacier. Montana has more different species species of mammals than any other state in the U.S. There are approximately a hundred species of mammals, including elk, bighorn sheep, caribou, and bobcats. And Glacier National Park has at least 250 lakes in its boundaries. So if you want to go to a national park area that is abounding with lakes, Glacier National Park is just one of those places. So This episode is going to wrap up our discussion about Glacier National Park. This is our third discussion about the park. A couple of final tips is if you go to this park, you'll want to spend some time on the west side, some time on the east side. And depending when you go, you know, you're going to have to know 
that there may be something involved in getting from one side of the park to the other. So, you know, do that homework before you get there. If you do plan your trip toward late June, if not early July, you're going to increase your odds of being able to travel the entirety of going to the Sun Road, which we were not able to do. So we will have to go back someday and experience that route that just has so many accolades and if we've mentioned it three times or five times we're going to mention it one more time if you want to go to glacier book your trip mm-hmm. well in advance yes. months and months of not one year before you want to go there yes before one year so thanks for joining us and if you haven't subscribed to us yet take a minute and hit the subscribe button in your apple podcast your spotify or any of your favorite sources for podcasts So you can catch our future episodes. Yeah. And beyond the podcast, just a reminder, if you're not checking it out already, we also have a YouTube channel, Mm -hmm. the places where we go. Having fun with that. At YouTube. Some of the the latest episodes that we've posted, we've done a few on some uh, generators that we've purchased, and you can see about our experiences with those. We've got a couple that are up on Sequoia National Park, so you can get a glimpse of some of our travels on the YouTube channel. So do check that out too, and we'd appreciate it if you hit the subscribe button there as well. And hit the bell. Ding the bell. Ding the bell yeah. for future notifications. So thanks again for joining us at the places where we go, and we hope to see you really soon. If you have any comments or info to share with us about travel, you can write us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.